We've got to get smart. We've got to organize. We've got to organize so effectively and so well and engage in such powerful, creative protest that there will not be a power in the world that can stop us. That was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., of course, speaking in Cleveland in 1967. King was in Ohio often during his short life. During those visits, a lot of his focus was trained on addressing racial injustice in Cleveland, but it also included marches and speeches addressing disparities in housing, pay, and of course, access to health care. This is Prognosis Ohio, Ohio's health politics and policy podcast. I'm Dan Skinner. Especially this time of year, as the nation remembers Dr. King's birthday, activists in support of universal access to health care often quote a King speech in which he calls injustice in health one of the most shocking and inhuman forms of inequality. It's frustrating, though. No recordings of that speech exist. In fact, we don't have any evidence that King ever said the famous line. What we do know is that the challenges King took on during his life were deeply wrapped up with access to health care and efforts to improve social determinants of health. Healthcare access, for example, is an important indicator of our nation and our state's progress, where the economically disadvantaged continue to lag behind the wealthy. Race continues to explain a lion's share of the inequalities in our state's health profiles, including racially skewed disparities in housing, access to food, economic opportunity, and access to health care. Ohio, which remains an extremely racially segregated state, continues to prove the maxim that it's one's zip code and not one's genetic code that best predicts outcomes. Where one lives continues to determine the kind of schools one's kids go to, what kind of opportunities for advancement exist, and what kind of access to health care one has. For King as well, labor was a key to securing equitable access to all these things, including health care. This brings us to today's guest. Representative Tavia Galanski represents House District 35, which includes cities such as Akron and Barberton and surrounding areas within Summit County and Northeast Ohio. Representative Galanski hails from a family steeped in labor, with a long history with the United Auto Workers. Before serving in the Ohio House, Representative Galanski was a teamster working within the airline industry and earned her law degree from the University of Akron. She then served as a magistrate in the Summit County Court of Common Pleas, including in the county's juvenile court. Now in her second term in the House, Representative Golonsky serves as the chair of the Ohio Women's Caucus. Before we begin, though, just a quick apology for the slightly poor quality of the audio here. The heating system in the Ohio House of Representatives office building proved a formidable opponent for this novice remote podcaster. Still, I think you'll agree that Representative Golonsky shares some really important thoughts in this interview about infant mortality in Ohio, Medicaid, and some thoughts on the potential for bipartisan cooperation on health policy issues, including with the new Speaker of the Ohio House, Republican Larry Householder. Representative Tavia Golonsky, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. You've spoken out on a number of health-related issues. I know in particular the infant mortality rates have been something that are concerning to you. They're concerning to many Ohioans. Ohio ranks 43rd, according to the CDC, in the last rankings, 43rd out of the 50 states. That's not where we want to be, of course. Yet the infant mortality rates don't really tell the full story. And here we are in the week when we're going to celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. And for Dr. King, health disparities were also something 
that we really needed to take more seriously. So we also look at the disparities within the infant mortality rates. Uh, for example, uh, babies born to lack mothers are more than twice as likely to die than babies born to white mothers in Ohio right now. How do you think about the infant mortality rate in general in Ohio and the health disparities question in particular? Thank you for the question. Uh, as we do celebrate Dr. King's birthday, shouldn't every child in Ohio have the opportunity to celebrate their first birthday and beyond? And that's one of the sad things about being 43rd in the nation as far as infant mortality. We're talking about folks in poverty and folks uh, who are marginalized who don't always have those same opportunities that include maternal health and uh, postpartum care and the type of non-stressed out environments that I think can make a difference. Now, as a grandmother, I was delighted that my own little grandson reached his first birthday, but you're concerned with every milestone as a mother or a grandmother. And so having good services that would provide for care for new mothers, new fathers, new families, so that they are encouraged, they know which signs to look for, which matter for their babies to make sure those babies are hitting all of those toll gates. But we really haven't cracked the code here in Ohio. We really are not sure right now what are those common themes. But one thing I know is that if we do offer services that include good health care, affordable health care, that a person is not stressed out over, then I think that we can make sure that all of our young Ohioans reach at least their first birthday and beyond. You know, we're, we're talking just a few days after the inauguration of a new governor, uh, and he's also spoken about infant mortality. I wonder if you could just tell me a little bit about some of the opportunities, I mean, you're a Democrat, mm -hmm. but some of the opportunities for working with the new governor, some, t some opportunities for working with members of the Republican caucus, perhaps. I mean, do you feel like there is bipartisan potential in the current General Assembly? I definitely do. In fact, this General Assembly, like unlike the one before, I know for sure, and these, these conversations have already been taking place, that I will be able to work directly with our legislators who are Republicans, directly across the aisle and making sure that Ohioans have good, affordable health care that's easy to access. So one of the things that I noticed in the new member training was that as the, the new uh, chair of the Ohio uh, Democratic Women's Caucus, many Republican fresh women said, came up to me and said, we want to join you. We want to be active in a bipartisan way about all issues that affect families. And so when you're talking about infant mortality, specifically, we have physicians coming on board. We have uh, health care policy advocates. And we also have people who are very familiar with the educational world and all of that and how it's going to combine and how it will um, inform our work in the healthcare area is so important. And so I've already started those conversations. I, you probably already know that uh, we have a huge human trafficking event that's coming up in February here at the State House, where basically we take over the State House. But the new addition this year is the Ohio Nurses Association and many nurses around Ohio are going to be participating and actually holding a panel. And so letting people understand what healthcare is available to them in Ohio, how to access healthcare and how to receive the right services, I think will make such a difference in our important markers, such as infant mortality. And of course, they're in the news, you hear a lot about our PBMs um, who 
you know, allegedly are not providing the type of pharmacy benefits that all Ohioans should expect. And just for our listeners' sake, so PBMs are pharmacy benefit managers. Thank you. Yes. Governor DeWine also announced recently in just his first couple of days in office, the creation of an advisory commission uh, on, on home visitation for pregnant women and parents of young at-risk children. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about that that announcement, what does it mean to you? What are your hopes for it? And are, do you have concerns about it as well? From 50,000 feet, if you will, I think it's an excellent idea. It's an excellent program. And to form an advisory board, I understand they will be meeting for about five to six weeks to determine uh, which parts of the budget need to be impacted and thought of when you're talking about uh, visitation uh, of homes of new mothers and uh, maybe even uh, mothers who are pre- or pregnant mothers. So I thought that that was an excellent announcement, and there are so many opportunities for bipartisan legislation to help in this effort. Now, where I get concerned is, what are the details? What type of funding is going to be placed on the ground and in those homes? Are you going to have perhaps maybe once a month, which I don't know is is necessarily appropriate for what uh, new mothers might need, Or are you going to have something more inclusive, which might be a weekly program where at the invitation of the parent, uh, you would be out visiting the home, offering suggestions and making sure that all the needs are met. And some of the ones that people might not think of, maybe like transportation and maybe um, ensuring that someone's not food insecure. So you shouldn't have to worry about your own nutrition when you've got that little new person to be focusing on. I'm hearing two things in there, then I just want to make sure I get it right. Sure. So one is when you hear the announcement of a commission, there's a little bit of a concern sometimes that it might be symbolic or mm-hmm. might be, you know, for less than real purposes. Exactly. But you're also concerned about the funding as a sign that for the governor and for the people involved with this commission, that this isn't just an announcement. Exactly. One of the, the things that I unfortunately I've noticed in Ohio is that We will announce a problem, we'll say it's a crisis, and I noticed that Governor DeWine has stated that the infant mortality issue is a crisis, okay, which is good, so name it, that's a good beginning. But what you need after that is you need comprehensive finances placed directly on the front lines for the people who are impacted. So I begin to wonder, you know, how how will you identify these people? Will they self-identify? Will there be referrals from other agencies? And you don't want to create a situation where a person feels that you're intruding and that you're looking for fault. And so instead of that, I hope that there will be a more nurturing approach uh, to make the young mothers and fathers and, and really the whole family know that they can be included in helping that young person reach that that first milestone. What, what's your focus going to be in 2019? Are there other issues in the healthcare space that our listeners should be watching, things that they may not know about that you're excited about? Well. I don't know that I would say that I'm excited about it, but I am very worried and concerned about the um, pharmacy benefit manager's role, CVS. There was the recent announcement about Walmart pulling back on their businesses. And what I get worried about is how are you using the money of the taxpayers? Most people in Ohio and certainly in the 35th district are, are worried about paycheck to paycheck living. And what that means is that they sometimes have to make decisions that Uh, exclude some things that they really need. Will I pay for my medications and get my new prescription or do I put money towards the family 
uh, food budget, etc. So knowing that people are already living on the margins, I'm very worried to know that corporations um, might be benefiting uh, incorrectly from these poor taxpayers who, you know, really don't have any say so in what the pharmacy prices will be. So that's an issue that I'm worried about. But as far as excitement, I don't mind telling you that in the 35th district, one of our mayors, Mayor Judge, has instituted an actual bus. It's, it's a bus trailer. I'm not good with the wording, but it goes into different neighborhoods and provides services, whether it's dental quick little checkups, some of the little sick care events. Uh, it also is incorporated with the library there so that it's offering books to children. So it's very concerned with the development of the whole family and meeting them where they are. Let's say a person can't quickly access health care for different reasons. As you know, dental care can be an issue and eye care as well. So I love that he has that that's apparently purple, and it's going to be going around to different neighborhoods in Barberton, which is in the 35th, and offering that type of up-close service to um, to our families. It's kind of a home visitation in itself. And so I'm very excited about the second year for this bus being um, brought to Barberton residents and residents of the 35th district. So that was a particularly interesting speaker race we just had. And I know there's been a lot said about it, a lot written about it. And of course, ultimately, you were part of the the group of Democratic representatives who supported uh, Representative Householder for speaker. And I've had some conversations with folks who say, you know, what was really talked about behind the scenes that we don't really know? I wonder if you could speak at all to whether healthcare was part of that conversation around the new speaker and why you made that decision. Absolutely. The, the first thing that, that you should understand is that um, our labor brothers and sisters did reach out to us to contact us to let us know why it was important for them that we seriously consider voting for uh, Larry Householder. And as a former Teamster and the daughter of a UAW worker, it, it was very clear to me that uh, Mr. Householder was on the correct side of labor issues. Our union brothers and sisters need good health care. They need food security. They need good transportation that they can count on. And they don't, as they're going to work and worried about and wanting to make sure that things like right to work don't keep flaring its head to make them feel like they have to worry about their futures. But along those lines, as I pointed out, and and, uh, Speaker Householder was extremely receptive to discussing my concerns about a possible rollback of the Medicaid expansion. We can't have that in Ohio. That would do no good at all for Ohio, especially in the middle of our opiate crisis. And I'm very pleased to say that Speaker Householder was extremely receptive to my concerns. He mentioned that he felt like there had been a gap in information provided about what the Medicaid expansion would do, how much money it would save the state. And also, it had been paid in kind of as a boogeyman. This is the bad thing that's going to be extremely expensive for Ohioans, and that's why you don't want to do it. So sort of that fiscal conservative, we don't want to do anything that we can't pay for. But in fact, as you already know, the Medicaid expansion has been Um, it's been affordable and it has made all kinds of opportunities available to the particular individuals in Ohio who are caught up in the act of addiction. And so we we can't roll that back. Um, And again, as I said, we did reach out to both candidates and I found um, Larry Householder to be most receptive to the needs of the 35th district and the needs of Ohioans as a whole. And already, He immediately, literally the next day after the speaker vote, 
he and I were on the phone together. He was immediately implementing many of those policies that we spoke about and negotiated with behind the scenes. And I want Ohioans to feel good about this. The truth of the matter is, is we have an opportunity like never before to go forward with true bipartisan legislation. And that is the goal of Mr. Householder. It came about a strange way, but I'm delighted to take it forward and do the best that I can. Perhaps you could put in a good word and have Speaker Householder come on the podcast. At some I point. would be delighted to do that. Your response to my question also kind of reminds me, I mean, to come back to this moment of uh, Monday being the uh, celebration of Dr. King's birthday, the nexus of labor in your own history and coming out of a labor background and then thinking about the relationship between healthcare and labor. It's a really important way to think about healthcare. Sometimes people don't realize that to talk about labor is to talk about healthcare. Absolutely. Is that kind of how you think about it? Definitely. They're they're intertwined and interrelated. And so as the chair of the women's caucus, I think often that there are many families out there who want to enjoy the same kinds of things I want to enjoy. As a woman, as a wife, as a mother, as a grandmother, I want safe workable neighborhoods. I want a family sustaining wage earner at home who doesn't have to worry about, well, am I going to have to count pennies from a can to find out if we can actually go to the doctor to meet a need? And so don't we all want that? And if we have that in Ohio, that's going to be good for Ohio economically, because long term, people are going to want to move here. They're going to want to stay here. They're going to find good paying jobs. And that's part of rebuilding Ohio and to making Ohio move forward. What I've gotten worried about is a lot of the fringe issues that have maybe brought people to the legislature have kept them focused in the last General Assembly on those fringe issues, but not about what families really need. Families want us to make health care affordable and then get off of it. You know, stop touching my health care. Leave it alone. Let it work. Um, and hopefully, you know, it's it's well funded so that people have affordable access. And so that's what I hear when I'm going around uh, the 35th district and meeting with constituents. They want to be able to sit down at the kitchen table and talk about, um, you know, happy things. What's What kind of education will be available to our family? How can we move our, our family forward uh, without having to worry about literally, are we going to be able to pay for this doctor's visit? I just laugh as you're saying that because I'm thinking of the advertisements where you have families sitting around the kitchen table Mm -hmm. with manuals of different health insurance companies and comparing uh, benefit structures and co-pays. That's not really a realistic picture of what people want to do after a long day at work, is it? No, it isn't. And again, look at the young people. If they see that the model in Ohio is too difficult to navigate, they're going to go somewhere where it's easier. Why stay here when you are when you don't see a future for yourself, when you don't see economic prosperity in the areas that you're interested in, and when you might begin to think it's too hard to live here. My infant might not reach that first year of a wonderful celebration. I might not be able to afford health care. The government might be constantly putting hands on my health care, women's health care issues. It, it just makes it too hard to live here when people want to be able to enjoy all the natural resources that are available. They want to avoid enjoy good, fresh, clean water and fresh air. When you have the the multiple uh, issues sort of sort of coming in on top of the family when they're just trying to create domestic tranquility, I think it can be a bit too much. We want to make Ohio um, a place where people want to work, live, stay, worship, and, and actually just have good outcomes for generations to come.
And I say, if we will stand and work together, we will bring into being that day when justice will roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. We will bring into being that day when America will no longer be two nations, but it will be one nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Prognosis Ohio is hosted by Dan Skinner and produced by Dan Skinner with help from Jory Gomes and Riley McKee. You can subscribe to Prognosis Ohio on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Our thanks to Representative Golonsky for taking time out of her busy day to talk with us. You can follow her on Twitter at at Rep As always, we welcome your emails to prognosisohio at gmail.com and your tweets and follows at at prognosisohio. Your feedback would be much appreciated. If you have ideas for themes and guests, we'd also love to hear them. Until next time.